Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. Second and ten. Jawan Jennings, great play. Oh, this ball's in the air for a long time. McCaffrey's able to pull it down, and he's going in for the touchdown. Jawan Jennings with a touchdown pass. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. What's your prediction, Wes? 49ers win 31-14. <laughs> I'm going to go San Francisco 24-20. Oh, look at that! Coward. <laughs> First and goal. <laughs> Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! The seventh longest game in the history of the NFL was one of the most memorable ones as well. And the Chiefs, you're going to hear a lot about it. You might as well say it right now. They have their dynasty. I've got Kansas City 27-17. All right. You know, you go on and win the championship. Being the underdog the last three games in the playoffs. Maybe a lesson learned for everybody else out there in the future. Yeah, just know that the Kansas City Chiefs are never underdogs. Just know that. Florida State, we're about to talk about Florida State. Fitty being dirty in the intro. After Fitty hugged Wes walking into the fishbowl saying, it's okay, Wes. Here, I'm just going to give you a hug. All we did was just talk about the game. There was no hate. There was no clowning whatsoever. He sneak attacked you. I knew it was coming. No, I knew it was coming because he said it on Friday. And I know when Fitty makes promises like that. He's gonna keep him, so I knew this was coming. Mm, I don't know, man. Sometimes I do Fitty think I, I do think that Fitty always has the future like in mind. Maybe if North Carolina loses, then maybe he'll well, you know, maybe I won't clown him too hard. Because this is somebody that shares some sympathy with you. Like he has the empathy of understanding. I've seen my team get beat in the worst of ways. Yeah, that's what he did when I came in. And, he did do that. Right, right. And so now maybe there were just one too many Chris Jenkins joke that he had to make that. Maybe he's thinking about Chris Jenkins the whole time. He's making this open to go at <laughs> and to have fun at your expense. It's Wesson Walker, a Super Bowl edition of Wes and Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7, WFNZ. This show a little bit different than some of the other WFNZ shows today because we have a co-host that suffered a lot last night that had to watch his team lose. And, I mean, if we're going to keep it a buck, we'll keep it a buck. That's a, that's an excruciating Devastating. Loss. That's tough. Wes put in the first bullet point today on the rundown. We all hop on the Google Drive. And Wes is saying, Wes is Super Bowl heartbreak. A little bit of a different show here in Carolina with such a big San Francisco 49er <laughs> fan. Watching his team play well in the first quarter, but there was a fumble. It looked like they should be up way more. And then the second half rolled around, and then San Francisco couldn't score anymore. And Kansas City just hanging in there, and then they start making plays. This thing goes to overtime. People don't know the rules, apparently, including 49ers players. And San Francisco, they lose to the Kansas City Chiefs 25-22. Pat Mahomes 
Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, they all win their third Super Bowl after coming back last night from 10 points down again. Wes, I'm going to give the mic to you just to vent. Yes. Share your thoughts on whatever before we get off of the bus. Maybe a melancholy walk off of the bus. Yeah, man. Well, all right. So, you know, we go through the game for one. You know, my heart's pounding the entire game. I mean, it's just straight uh anxiety the entire matchup because you don't know uh you know how this thing's gonna turn out you know the opponent that you're playing all of that stuff so you know all in all I just felt like that the field goals weren't going to get it done even though it was a defensive game you felt like at some point Mahomes could make the play but then I also started to get into the train of thought with the way the 49ers defense was playing that uh that it was going to be hard for Kansas City to make adjustments. And just when I started to get into that thinking, there we have the muff punt, and Kansas City scores on the next play. And so then you know what that does. I'm big on psychology of the sport. Kansas City now believes that, man, no matter how bad we've played, we're right here, we got a chance, whole new ball game. Uh, but, you know, I know all you guys out there, I don't want to eight-mile you too crazy, and I know you're still going to say stuff, but, you know, the, the Brock Purdy slander, if you're saying that at this point, then you just want to run with a narrative that you hear everybody else saying you're not really watching the games. Brock Purdy played a, a, a really good game yesterday. Uh, it was just the fact of, you know, you had procedure penalties, O-line busts, but I laid a loss at the feet of the defense. You uh, Brock Purdy and the offense tied or took the lead three times in fourth quarter and overtimes. And if I would have told a lot of you that was going to happen, you wouldn't have believed me. But for the for for the offense to go down and do that, uh, yet but special teams too. Let's not forget about how big that was in this game, the blocked uh, extra point. But also Kansas City's punter was tremendous last night. The 49ers could not get great field position outside of getting the interception. He was booming the punts every time they would stop them in like the minus 25, minus 20. I'm like, okay, they should get pretty good field position. No, it was not to be. They were booming that thing back there to the minus uh, 25. And excuse me, when the 49ers were on the, when the Chiefs would be in the minus 25 and then they would kick it all the way. The 49ers would start to drive at the 20 to 25. So all in all, like I said, the greatness of Pat Mahomes definitely shined through late in that game yesterday. But the defense, like I said, you had three opportunities to really uh, and and to be more specific, two opportunities down the stretch with leads to win the Super Bowl for the 49ers. They couldn't do it, you know, so, uh, you know, I can't complain. It was hard. And to let you guys know, yeah, it was a punch in the gut. As soon as the ball goes, as soon as Mahomes left, it left his hands and I saw the guy get his fingers on it to catch it. Power off TV, toss remote across room, walk upstairs, get in bed. There was no, <laughs> there was no watching yeah, no Super Bowl coverage. anything else. No. And last night, no. you know, like no I said, I had coverage. gone through all the emotions. I was, I'm done with them. I can't do this anymore. This is the third Super Bowl loss. By I the way, this is the same thing you did when you, this. this is the same thing you did when you were down against Detroit. Yeah, so I was were, just like, yo, I back. can't because of how it just takes. It's such a task to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I went through that emotion. I was even sitting there like, man, I just just sports in mm-hmm. general. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like <laughs> I'm saying, I went through all the emotions. But as I got to get up, talk through it more and more, you know, I'm good, man. I'm still riding with the Niners. Brock Purdy is the franchise quarterback for this franchise. I feel good about their future. A little historical stats kind of worry me a little bit if the window 
might be hard to get back into, man, but I'm still riding. I'm still down. All right, Wes was contemplating having this permanently go to the Fitty and Walker show, and that would have been extremely scary had Wes decided after that Super Bowl loss, you know what? Yeah. I'm just down. No, no, LA Knight is not coming in here saying, yeah, after Wes decides, you know what? My 49ers are done. It's going to be the Fitty and Walker show tomorrow, and then there's Fitty again trying to make sure, you know, that it's a tough start of the show for you. Fitty, what was going through your mind as you put together that intro i know you were excited did you start working on it last night or or did you just wait until this morning with a smile on your face no i i, I literally thought about should i troll my guy or should i not troll my guy because as i watched my team that i live and die with lose a championship game on a walk-off play and then i remembered the copious amounts of references to chris jenkins yeah there there's been plenty hmm. and and what really convinced me to do it wasn't the fact that Wes picked his Niners to win. Because I, if I was a fan, I would have picked my team to win. Yeah. He thought his team was beaten 15 by three scores. Mm-hmm. No one, no one's blown. I mean, Brady's the only guy that's blowing out Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And if Mahomes has an offensive line in that game, who knows what the result of that game ultimately goes. That's what led me to just remind Wes. Because I told him all week, man, you got you to go through Mahomes. And for the next 10 to 15 years, the rest of the league has to go through Mahomes. And last night was a reminder, it ain't going to be easy. Let's go to the text line. We want to hear your thoughts on this. 704-570-9610. Lots of people already writing in various reasons. People supporting Wes. People clowning Wes. There's going to be a bunch of different texts that we get throughout the show today. Spence said, Wes, I told you I put my Detroit Auto Factory curse on the 49ers. <laughs> you ain't believe me, so you see what happens. Motor City forever. Detroit coming in and getting some revenge after they relinquished what was a big old lead to San Francisco. KC Steve, just the man we want to hear from after the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. He said, said it once today, so I'll say it again. Not sure what the game plan, not sure what game plan was worse. The 49ers abandoned abandoning the run or me telling my wife that Blake Lively was my celebrity crush. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of camera shots of Blake Lively and Taylor Swift. And so it's like, you can't even get away from it once you say it. And it depends on how early he admitted that that was his celebrity crush. But once you say it, and then they continue to go back to the suite with ice spice, Taylor Swift and Blake Lively. Yeah. Then it's just going to be in everybody's mind the entire time. AC said it was not a good game. It was a good finish, but not a good game. I mean, Okay, I had been. I second half was awesome. Second half was all over the place. It was exciting. There were turnovers. There were plays made. We got to see Pat Mahomes win his third Super Bowl with a comeback. It went to overtime. It went the duration of overtime. It's okay if we. Well, actually, <laughs> come on, y'all. We can say it was a good game. First half was terrible. That's fine. But we also got three extra periods of what was. Pretty good football. Exciting football going back and forth. Good game. I declare it. Sports court. I'm throwing down the gavel. And then we can go to a couple of other texts a little bit later on, but feel free to text in 704-570-9610. It's late, but we can still do it. Let's get off the bus, even if it's for a short time. Open up the doors, Fitty. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! 
can go around the room and give you the biggest storyline, biggest moment of the game, biggest factor, whatever you want to touch on to set the stage for the upcoming segment. Where does this one rank in your favorite best Super Bowls that you've seen? Notice I said best, not favorite for you, mm-hmm. because clearly it's going to be further down the list for one <laughs> Wes Bryant. But just objectively watching this one, seeing how close it was, where it can rank. I think the biggest moment for me, it. For me, I think it was Travis Kelsey picking up that big old chunk on a crossing route to where you got it to the 10-yard line. Now, there were clearly huge moments everywhere across the board, but I'm not going to eight-mile this. Wes has already used up the eight-mile character today. It's usually me, but Wes gave you that. He said, yeah, tell these people something they don't know about me. I'm going to tell you that it's Travis Kelsey with that 20, 25-yard pickup to set Kansas City up at the 10-yard line where we thought it might be over in regulation, and then they just kick the field goal, then they go to overtime, and then they end up winning. But there were a lot of moments. I remember the Kelsey moment of him picking that up and thinking, oh, okay, Kansas City, they're starting to cook right now. If this goes to an extra period, then it's certainly not going to look great for San Francisco. Uh, Yeah, so we're talking favorite and least favorite moments, correct? Whatever you want to go to. Well, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I mean, obviously my favorite moment of the game, I when Jawan Jennings caught the touchdown and, you know, you Or just biggest good. factor, yeah, whatever but, you want to roll. Yeah, I mean, the biggest factor in the game, I thought, was, you know, Kansas City's defense in the second half. Uh, they played really well. Their defensive line started to assert themselves, whether it was line bust by the 49ers or the Chiefs and those blitz packages starting to cook them up at just the right time uh, to get stops. And I thought that that was a big difference. It was a tale of two games. The first half, San Francisco's front seven dominated and got to the quarterback and got sacks. And then in the second half, you know, their front seven still played well, but Kansas City started to ratchet up the pressure, get more penetration on plays and really mess up what the 49ers wanted to do. They made the adjustments as well, but I just thought that Kansas City also too, you know, like you said, you get the interception and you throw the ball, I think, eight out of the next nine times. So I just thought Kansas City's coaching staff was a big X factor in this game, as we knew that they would be. Spagnola definitely calling a great game when he needed to call a great game, and then Andy reading that offense, making adjustments too. I thought that the 49ers staff got outcoached. Biggest factor, Fitty, what would you point to and say was the biggest factor in this one? I'll piggyback off of Wes. I thought it was the coaching. Andy Reid and his staff outcoached Sean McDermott and the Bills. They outcoached John Harbaugh and the Ravens. And last night, they outcoached Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, specifically on third down. You want to get some inside football, do some NFL films type of stuff. You go watch the way Steve Spagnuolo coordinated his defense on that third and five in regulation and that third and four in overtime to force field goals. It, it, won, it won them a championship. That That's what I thought was, once again, big game, big moment. Kyle Shanahan comes up short as a play caller. Spags was huge in this game, as we've seen him show up in so many other big games before. This one no different. Kansas City wins 25-22. to 22. We'll continue the Super Bowl conversation. Where does this one rank for you in your favorite best Super Bowls that you've ever seen? Because I'm getting some texts here that talk about how, is this an uneventful game? Like, I understand the first half was terrible. You guys realize that there were three extra periods of this game. I am surprised as so many, yeah, there was the second, there was the third quarter, the fourth quarter, and overtime. Like, we got to see 
other action here in this one. I don't know why you're... It, I'm telling you the truth here. Fitty's giving what, me a weird face. What is three extra periods? You have four quarters. You had one extra period. Right, I'm not going to do the math on this. My point is there was more football to be played than just a bad first half, and that's what I'm trying to tell to the people. And we can move on and talk about how exciting this game was for everybody else. Where does this one rank for you? And if Mahomes benefits the most from this, maybe you disagree, who is the guy that benefits the second most from this win in Kansas City? We'll talk about it on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Wesson Walker, a Super Bowl edition sports radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We got people writing in on some of the biggest factors, where this one ranks to them, what were the biggest storylines, all that good stuff at 704-570-9610. Gamecock Kevin said, Dre Greenlaw is the reason, Wes. Greenlaw is the reason they lost. I mean, that seems too far. I will also say that was a huge loss in what was just an excruciating one there getting ready to go back in the game that was tough to watch him i mean basically come out of the blocks and then come up limp we knew immediately right like once they get the cart and then you see him Mm -hmm. have to be riding shotgun by the way not being carried off on the actual stretcher part but the guys that were also in the cart Decided to ride on the stretcher part, and then Dre Greenlaw is riding shotgun. Very, very weird. Did he call it? I need to know why he was there. Hey, guys, you get in the back. I'm riding front. Like, Dre, this is for you to... Nope, I got never never in the back. Always riding shotgun. Jack said this on the text line. Honestly, both teams called the perfect game. Offense and defensively, nothing San Francisco could have done different outside of not turning the ball over. That would have resulted in a win. Someone had to lose, and Kansas City just had number 15 on their side on the final possession. Only mistake made was the blocked extra point. Perfect game, and I'm not even trying to be real technical with this. I I think there were still mistakes on both sides. Like I don't even think Andy Reid was calling a phenomenal game in the first half. You know, there's going to be a lot of love towards Andy Reid today, and that's what happens when you win a third Super Bowl. He's one of the best of all time. I, I truly believe that. But it wasn't like he called a perfect game. The Shanahan stuff, lots of people are saying that they should have run it more. And I think that's true of Kyle Shanahan, maybe like in the second quarter, where they started to throw the football. But in the second half, they're run blitzing constantly. And so you're just running into what the defense wants you to do at that point. Because Kansas City even told you after the game, they wanted Brock Purdy to throw the football 
And even Nick Bolton joining Chris Berman and Booger McFarlane after the game, they told you, here are our adjustments. I thought Nick Bolton was really insightful about some of the changes they made, which gives you credit more for Steve Spagnuolo. He's like, okay, game plan that we worked on the last couple of weeks not working, we have to adjust. The game plan coming in was playing zone, and if you play zone, then you're trying to make Brock beat you. Well, Brock was very good to start this game. Yeah. He was completing a lot of passes. And so Kansas City decides, okay, well, that's not working. Let's run man and make sure we get inside pressure. That's exactly what happened. McDuffie, fantastic. Sneed outside of the penalty. That was stupid. Still fantastic to see Legereus Sneed play the way that he did. But even Chris Jones was real clutch. And so they wanted to force Brock Purdy to throw to the outside. Remember how bad Kansas City was getting killed on some of those throws to the middle of the field. Yeah. And so they'd made the adjustment we have to get inside pressure. Chris Jones has taken care of that. They had some excellent run stops, penal, big old number 69, having way more than a nice game. Okay, he came in and played real well. And so you're forcing his him to, to throw to the outside. And now the offense was not as effective. So, like, people are going to clown Shanahan. And, yeah, I think there was a long stretch of that game where he didn't run it. And that's where the criticism is deserved. In the second half... I, McCaffrey has 30 touches. He had 22 rushing attempts. Kansas City wanted you to do that. They only they held him to less than four yards of carry. Christian McCaffrey did fumble. Like, I don't point to that strictly and say that's why they lost. I just think you're dealing with what is an excellent and mention, defensive coordinator. Right, muff punt, big time too. That's a huge factor. I just think Spagnolo is like a special big game defensive coordinator, and we've seen him perform that way too many times. Yeah, he did. And I mean, he like I said, he called blitz at the correct times. I thought the blitz on the third and four uh, I thought was huge because you know, we had talked about when we did our top tens, I had McDuffie in there, and one of the traits that he had was that he was the number one blitzing defensive back, uh, according to PFF. Yeah, and his you did blitz say that. Was uh, greatly timed when he came up inside, and I guess it was kind of a game between uh, him and the defensive lineman, but he decided to come inside, and it was perfectly right there. Brock, Brock had no choice. I mean, you got to try to throw it, but the guy's right there in your face. And so there, you know, I respected Shanahan kicking the field goal, but then also, too, you have a chance to wear to the thinking of a Dan Campbell where you're like, hey, you know, you got a chance. You know who you're going up against, and, and I would have – Rather have seen that. And I could have lived with that. If he'd have gone for it on fourth down and gotten it, or if he'd have gone for the fourth down and missed it, I could have lived with that decision because you know who you're playing against. Because, again, as I said, I had forgotten the overtime rules as well. So now that was one of the other things I was sitting there this morning. I was like, well, I was like, if the 49ers had scored, did I really trust the defense to stop them from scoring? No, I didn't. And would they probably have gotten a two-point conversion? I'm not going to say 100% that would have happened, but I think it was a high probability that the Chiefs could have gotten two and won the game. And so, you know, with that said, you just felt like when you didn't close the door, because that was another thing that creeps into my mind is that I have those those adages, and I'm just like, man, if you got a chance to put a team away and you don't do it, mm -hmm. it's going to come back and bite you in the butt. And as soon as the Chiefs took the lead, or once they cut it, I said, man, as bad as they've played, here they are, only down three. Then I was like, they've taken the lead. And I was like, Wes, as much as you want your team to win, you know that you do believe in games when this type of stuff happens, just like it did in the 49ers' favor against Detroit. Once the 49ers came back and tied that game, he was like, Detroit's done. And they were. And as soon as the Chiefs came back and did what they did, the 49ers did battle back and take the lead late. But at that point, Mahomes was in rhythm. He was ready to go. 
They sped the game up too, mm-hmm. as far as the tempo that they ran that they ran their plays with. That tempo, mm-hmm. the 49ers had no answer for it, and the defensive line started to get really uh, exhausted down the stretch as far as getting home on their rush, and that's why I believe Wilk started to blitz like he did, and uh, it wasn't enough. It was not enough. It was not enough. We've got a lot to get to, so let's try to go through some of the big points in this game. We have some sound for you. Here's a sound bite from Ryan Clark, a part of ESPN, discussing something we have been talking about, how great Steve Spagnuolo was, especially in the second half. We saw Steve Spagnola dial up the pressure, and none bigger than late in the game when they're forcing Brock Purdy into a throwaway in the red zone. But you saw it throughout the second half. Trent McDuffie was amazing the entire day. We watched backers from the second level put pressure on Brock Purdy, and when the defensive line needed to step up, they did as well. Steve Spagnola once again showed us why he is the best big game defensive coordinator of our generation. Clark's got that Vegas voice. He does, Johnny. I noticed that too. <laughs> I can understand why. Honestly, I'm surprised not many other people had it. But Ryan Clark, Vegas got a hold of him. It, it and, it's, and the analysis is still good. <laughs> but the voice, uh, it's not That's what I thought bar. about when I heard it just now. I said, woo. I said, he was either yelling during the game or he was yelling partying. The, the voice might not be there. The point is, and that's something we've been shining a lot of light on, is the fact that on critical third down moments where you do favor the offense in especially short yard to gain moments, Trent McDuffie timed the blitz perfectly. Spagnolo called for it. You did not see blitz until McDuffie even just heads to the quarterback as soon as the ball the snap because you even see him starting to back up a little bit to confuse Brock Purdy. And then eventually that blitz, it's coming right for Brock Purdy. And then eventually he throws that incompletion. So, okay, if we're discussing what the Super Bowl win means for everybody involved, we can start with Pat Mahomes. Because, of course, when you turn on ESPN and you see First Take and you see all the debate shows, they're going to be talking about it on Around the Horn. Tony Kornheiser, Michael Wilbon, they're going to be going at it about the Pat Mahomes GOAT debate. We were talking about it in the fishbowl, too. Kyle was saying, man, like maybe we ease up on the GOAT stuff. Because Tom Brady does have seven Super Bowls. And that's true. And maybe like right now, right now, yeah. If Pat Mahomes, his career ended today, you'd still probably give it to Tom Brady for everything that he accomplished. He's just played so much more football. But what Pat Mahomes is doing, I mean, two monster drives last night. Under two minutes to go in regulation. You damn near score a touchdown. In overtime, you do score a touchdown. Pat Mahomes looked looked unfazed on those drives. And he looked phased a little bit in the first half, mind you. Like, nobody is telling you that this was a perfect game. You can't throw an interception and have a perfect game. In the first half, Pat Mahomes was contained. I thought Nick Bosa did a good job of not allowing Mahomes to get outside until you just got to stay disciplined every single quarter. And that's really hard. Not even clowning Nick Bosa. I thought he was excellent. You just... It wasn't perfect. You can be excellent and not perfect. And I think that's what Nick Bosa was. I think that's also how Pat Mahomes was. It's just Pat Mahomes at the end of these games. That's who you can trust. And we saw it on those final two drives. Man, three Super Bowls, six years. This dude, as if he started a season, he is going to get to the AFC Championship game. It's ridiculous. He's been to four Super Bowls. There's been two times. He hasn't gotten to the championship game as a starter twice. And those two times he was in contention of getting there. The first time D Ford lines up offsides. They're not going the second time 
they lose to Cincinnati, and it was just Joe Burrow's time, man. Joe Cool proved that he was Joe Cool. The other times, he got beat by who we consider the GOAT now, and he won the other three. Before we get to 30, Michael Jordan, man, I keep tweeting it. Bomani Jones said it first, and I keep on rolling with it. Everybody else is starting to pick it up. What do you want me to do? That's what I'm watching now. If you want to tell me, hey, relax, pal. Michael Jordan has six titles, whatever. But could we call Michael Jordan... Michael Jordan in the moment, the greatest, like when we were watching him win his third, what's the difference? Okay. I'll, I'll do it now when I'm watching in real time. That guy is as exciting, as intelligent, as competitive. Tell me what's missing. The second half of his career is missing, but we're going to get it. And that's why I'm on that bandwagon right here, right now. Uh, yeah, I'm not for me. I, he's got to get to five for me to start considering it because also too Jordan didn't get a chance to play against LeBron in playoff series to beat him as well. And so I put a lot of stock in that as well. I know Mahomes it looks flashier, it looks doper when he plays, the 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 different arm angles and the different ways he can do things, but we can't forget about what 12 represented and what he did. Seven championships as well. His coach wasn't the same once he left. And not only that, he beat Mahomes on multiple occasions for high stakes. He beat him in an AFC championship game. He beat him in a Super Bowl. And so that, to me, also gives him the ultimate edge uh, over Mahomes. I think Mahomes can finish second at this point, but I can't put him over Brady. And also, I got to see Brady and Mahomes go at it against each other, and they won the game. I mean, Brady won those games. I think also, too, what we saw in a quarterback matchup was two anomalies. We talk about Purdy and the fact that you know, uh, I was talking to Nate Wimberly on Friday, and we were talking about it. And he's a guy that doesn't believe in Purdy. And he said the same thing. He said, there's no other reason that I don't think the guy can put, that is like that besides the fact that he's a seventh-round pick. He said, I just can't wrap my mind around it. And that's where it is for most people. But I say that about Patrick Mahomes, too. Let's look at this thing. When, he, when they moved up to draft him, I mean, I watch as much college football as anybody, and I was like, a Texas Tech quarterback this high in the first round? You're going to take this guy? Like, everybody in Texas Tech's offense puts up crazy numbers. So what's how, what makes him different? Then we see all the time when teams get caught up in the attributes of a guy. That's why guys drop and become great players. We've seen guys that had the big arm that can do all this stuff in workouts and, and doesn't work out in the pros. But Patrick Mahomes goes to the right system. He plays with the right coach. He's got, you know, when especially when he first gets there, the Hills and the Kelseys and all that. But Mahomes is a fantastic player. But also, too, there aren't hardly anybody, I dare anybody out there to tell me that they knew that Mahomes was going to turn into this coming oh, out of yeah. Texas Tech. Nobody thought this. If, if there was any quarterback from that draft that you thought would do something kind of like this, maybe you looked at Deshaun Watson because of what he did at Clemson, and you were like, okay, if I could see a quarterback from this class doing that kind of stuff, it would be this guy because I've seen him do it at this level. But as far as Patrick Mahomes winning seven, eight games at Texas Tech, coming from that system where everybody puts up big numbers, I didn't see this coming. So that's why I thought that these the quarterback matchup was were both anomalies. But for Mahomes, I can't put him in that GOAT conversation. Uh, and I don't think that I – well, I can put him in there, but I don't think that I'll ever call him the GOAT because unless he gets to as many championships – as Brady has gotten, and the fact that Brady has beaten him twice in an AFC Championship game and in the Super Bowl. So I don't know that I could ever put him over, but I think he'll be sitting right there at number two. And in my opinion, he's already top five guy. 
Uh, Fiddy was scribbling away in his notebook. I, I I wonder, were you writing something down that you wanted to say about the Michael Jordan stuff? I know you don't like that comparison because MJ is uh, something holy, and that is totally true. I'm telling you, that's what it feels like I'm watching in real time. Of course, if careers ended today, then yeah. What those other guys that we're comparing Pat Mahomes to have already accomplished so much when you go through the duration of their 20-year career. But I'm telling you what it feels like I'm watching in real time. Like for me, I'm watching somebody under 30 win three Super Bowls, get to four, and only get beat by Tom Brady when one, the offensive line had Mike Remmer starting at your left tackle, right tackle spot, and everybody else was hurt. But also you lost because Tom Brady is pretty damn good himself. Like I'm not telling you Pat has surpassed Tom right now. I'm telling you what it feels like I'm watching in the moment, and what I'm watching is somebody that is comparable to the best I've ever seen play sports before. And real quick before Fiddy goes, I was just going to ask you, but do we feel that way too because Tom is gone, because if Tom was still in the league and still dominating, would we feel that? If he was still dominating, I guess no, because in your scenario, he would still be winning. Because you were just saying like what we're watching, and I and I feel like sometimes you know time is gone, out of sight, out of mind. We see Mahomes doing it, and the way in which he does it, and so that makes us like, man, you know. But even last night, the best throw that he had was on a drive they didn't score on because yeah. Pacheco fumbled it. Yeah. Like this is the part of the maturation we see him processing, we see him dinking and dunking, very Tom Brady like. That's how he won. Yeah, because on those he two did drives. have a lot of because he only averaged four point three yards uh, air yards per play this year and had a lot of yak over three thousand right. yards yak from where, his receivers. Where was the wow throw outside of the crazy dime that he threw to McColl? Where even then you could say a forty nine er defensive back just stopped running, but it was still a crazy throw. Oh, and that yeah, was he's talking about Gibson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but but still. <laughs> Like it, It's not even the, well, I'm not doing this because of the crazy arm angles, the athleticism. Yeah, Pat Mahomes can throw it out of the stadium. That's what allows him to throw for 5,000 yards before the league realizes what is throwing the football there in Kansas City. He did it very Tom Brady-like in this game, and it feels inevitable. It feels like they're going to win the championship when you give them those two moments, and they damn near scored a touchdown on the final drive. What are your thoughts, Fitty? Yeah, I, I just pushed back on the Jordan comp because Jordan – Got to the finals, never lost. Mahomes has lost a Super Bowl. Jordan won a college championship. Mahomes won a bowl game. I think if you want to compare him like from a go conversation, he's going to be to Tom Brady what LeBron is to Jordan because he's going to be there every damn year. Like he's been a starter six years, started six AFC title games. He's gone to four Super Bowls. He's three and one. And this is the worst roster he's ever had. And he won a Super Bowl as a three seed, went on the road and won two playoff games. And he won and beat another number one seed in the in the Super Bowl. And so I hear you where he maybe has that Jordan factor where you just think he's going to rip your heart out. But he has lost on the biggest stage where Michael Jordan never did. Yeah, he also Michael Jordan also didn't get to the kind of stages that Pat Mahomes did very early on. Like, this is the thing that no, doesn't yeah. make so much sense to me. And, like, and that's a valid point so, all from your part. So here's Pat Mahomes. Six years. This dude has three Super Bowls in his first six years of his NFL career and already has records. I heard Mac and Bone talking about some of the passing records, records all time that he has in the postseason, and he's 28. He's already surpassed who we would also have in somewhat of a GOAT conversation and Pey- Peyton Manning. I would put Joe Montana above him. I'd put Tom Brady. Like, we can be realistic about this. Peyton Manning also is one of the best quarterbacks that we've ever seen. 
And Pat Mahomes already has more playoff wins, more Super Bowls, better even just counting stats, which is where I think we had to point to first and foremost when we talk about Peyton. We are watching this guy and Pat Mahomes in real time. Like, if, if we want to have the fun in this, because you could just shut this down if you want to and say, okay, wait, let's wait until he gets to seven titles. Let's wait until he gets more rings. Okay. Or I could just tell you what I'm watching right now, and then we could try to predict this stuff because this is what we do. And I'm watching somebody have as much success in a six-year span at the most important position in sports as I've ever seen before. Tom Brady also had a great spot. Are we going to, if, if, if Pat Mahomes continues to get to the Super Bowl, do we remember that 10 year span that New England didn't, didn't win one? Yeah. That was a decade. Like this guy had. But he'll have his span where he goes through years like that too. Okay. Will he though? I mean, okay. uh, he will. He will. Man. I mean, it's he, the I, NFL. But, I, I just don't know who's beating years, him. But that's fine. But we haven't seen it yet. Your and, boy is one of them. Who? Burroughs beating him. That's the yeah. only one where I have legitimate confidence where I think year in, year out, he can beat oh, Mahomes see, in but, a big game. But see, I think I think the fact that we're talking about in AFC championship games losing by a field goal. In overtime? Okay. <laughs> like I like we we're so now we're saying, oh, he has to be perfect. Because perfect means you win the Super Bowl every year. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying he'll have his lows where he's gonna go but, a nice span without getting to the Super Bowl. His his low right now? is having gone to two AFC championship games and missing out by a possession. Yeah. That's his lull. <laughs> so then how that's does it look to you then? Do you think he's going to get the double-digit AFC championship games and win yes. seven, eight Super Bowl? Yeah. He's got I, six I, yeah. now. Yes. He only needs four. That. Yeah, at, at, at least, at least double-digit AFC title games. That I can see. Ba- bare minimum. He's he, He's got two more rings. Bare minimum. All right. We got some more to discuss here about the Super Bowl. Plenty more to break down really all week. And so we're going to try to do as much as we can here in the next two hours. We also have some news coming out of the Charlotte Hornets organization. Mitch Kupchak. No longer the general manager. What does that mean for this franchise? Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Feel free to text in 704-570-9610. I've been trying to transition from football to basketball with the Michael Jordan comps, and so we might as well embrace it with the latest news in Charlotte today. How about Mitch Kupchak moving away from his general manager and president of basketball operations title, and he will be transitioning into an advisory role starting immediately. 
Gabe Plotkin, Rick Schnall, owners of the Charlotte Hornets, will be looking for a new GM right away, and we'll see who will take that um, title for the Charlotte Hornets going forward. Mitch Kupchak moving on after just a few days ago, operating at the trade deadline in a way that we were all pretty uh, complimentary of, the way that he was able to deal P.J. Washington for Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a top-two protected first-round pick. That first round pick is fantastic. You move Gordon Hayward, and then you get some guys that really helped you win this game against Memphis over the weekend. You have a replenished bench, which looks fantastic if you just go off of what Saturday was. Oh, yeah, and you also get a first round pick in the Terry Rozier deal before you even got to deadline day. Mitch Kupchak told you ownership was driving the decision-making process. Kupchak earned credit for how he was able to negotiate those trades. But we know that ownership was the driving force on the aggression on NBA trade deadline day. And so I really like the direction this team is going, Wes. We certainly have a very small sample size. But overall, I really like what we've seen so far at the deadline. It makes all the sense in the world to move on from Mitch Kupchak. You go get whoever the next general manager is. We'll see what he does at the helm. But I've liked what we've seen the last week. Fans are in a much more upbeat mood. Even getting beat by 40 against Milwaukee on Friday. That was because they didn't have the guys that they traded for and, of course, some of the players that they did trade out in order to get a replenished bench. But the fans here in Charlotte and Hornets fans, man, they are in a much more upbeat mood because of the decision-making process that's taken place over the last week. Yeah, and, I mean, you're giving them a change. You know, you gave them a bit of a change-up. The season was starting to get mundane with the losing, the losing uh, badly that the Hornets had going on. I mean, they were coming out every night losing by 20 to 25 points. You've gotten an infusion of new players in, so the fans have some fresh faces to look at. Can't necessarily put the same type of blame tactics on this group as you did to others because it's a lot of new guys. And so for them to come out out in their first game, have the type of, uh, you know, have the type of game that they had where you see good contributions from these guys. Grant Williams comes out in a positive debut. Uh, Meaches comes out, you know, positive debut for him. Like, all of the guys contributed. So I think for the fans, it was a nice kind of fresh start, so to speak, a bit of a reset, uh, if you will. And so uh, they just want to see now what's going to happen with the rest of this roster, especially when you get your two stars back with LaMelo and Mark Williams to play with this new group and what can they look like. So uh, all in all, though, it was a nice treat for Hornets fans and a nice break uh, from what's been going on prior to this deal. You can go to the Charlotte Observer and gather more information on this decision written up by Rod Boone. You can also go to ESPN. Adrian Wojnarowski has the story there. Here's what Woj writes on ESPN. There's an expectation that new owners Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin will hire a new top basketball executive prior to the end of the regular season, which will allow Kupchak to remain in his day-to-day role until his successor is on board. And that's something somewhat important, even if it's after the deadline. There's only so much you can do at this point, being the GM. But he'll still remain that guy until they hire somebody new. He's 69 years old. He'd be completing what was a remarkably successful career that included 10 championships as a front office executive and a player. This all a part of the Woj write-up. But if we wanted to focus on his tenure here in Charlotte, because the Lakers' tenure is a very different story, very different responsibility. Kupchak was brought here because he was viewed as a deal maker, but it's a lot easier to make deals when you have Kobe and Shaq. It's a lot easier to make deals when you're in L.A. 
and you are the head of one of the most historic franchises in all the sports. That'll help you out a little bit. Going across the country, being in charge of the Charlotte Hornets basketball operations. That's a little different in a way, though, that you couldn't you couldn't make those deals, Wes. At least Mitch Kupchak didn't. And I was that was always my biggest frustration with him. Because he has some success in the draft. Every draft you point to, except for 2021, you can view as, okay, he didn't miss too badly. Or he even hit. LaMelo Ball hit at third overall. You can go to the drafts prior to that. Yeah, he traded Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That's true. But he got Miles Bridges. As a talent evaluation process, that was a hit on Miles, just who he was as a basketball player. Second-round success stories. You turn Devontae Graham into a first-round pick. You trade Jalen McDaniels. That was a success story in the second round. Even Dwayne Bacon was starting right away as he gets drafted. That might have been a a rich show, if I'm not mistaken. I actually was. But you do have Steve Clifford coming over and James Borrego coming over, and so you have to hold that against him even with some success in the draft. Um, I just – my biggest criticism – was the fact that you can never see him operate at the deadline until this year with any significant move that would propel the Charlotte Hornets into real playoff contention. And at the end of the day, Mitch Kupchak's tenure is going to include two blowouts and two play-in tournament appearances, and that's the most success this team experienced. Yeah, the thing is, I think with Kupchak, I think where he's going to get his flowers down the line is that you know, it's kind of like at Wake Forest. When I was done, we were the teams that were winning four games. They used to call us heartbreak Wake because, you know, we would be in pretty much every game that we played but find some type of way to lose it. And so I say all that to say that once Wake won the ACC championship, a lot of people looked at us and said, hey, you guys were, you know, the building blocks to help get this thing where it is now. And so I think when you look at Mitch Kupchak and what he'll be remembered by, I think his flowers will probably be a little bit delayed because if this team does have – start to have some of the success that the fans want, you're going to see them look at some of these moves that Mitch made as the genesis of it all. You're talking about drafting ball and drafting uh, Miles Bridges as well. And those two moves being your stars, drafting Mark Williams, getting that done. Yeah, you know, he's going to have some blemishes. And like you said, it is a bit harder when you're in L.A. and you got veterans knocking your door down to come and play for you and different things like that. But I think there's some of the guys that he's, pick to be the foundations of this team combined with these last couple of trades that he made walking out the door that could be able to set the Hornets up for uh, even more success from a roster standpoint. I think that maybe in a few years, if the Hornets are starting to get to the playoffs and starting to have that success, we'll look at what Mitch Kupchick did and say, yo, Mitch kind of jump-started this thing. It wasn't always pretty, but he was the guy that started to lay the foundation, uh, you know, like the guys in Vegas, uh, I saw something interesting just to throw it in there going with this conversation. Do you know that they have a concrete convention out there and they have a contest to see who can build the highest wall and all that thing? So it's talking about the brick by brick kind of made me think about that. Okay. I had no clue they had concrete conventions and that people were into that stuff as much as they are. Okay. That was a <laughs> hell of an ending to that take. But you're right. We do need to see this wall continue to be built. Yeah, I sound like Donald Trump talking about building the wall. All I'm talking about Woo! is building something special yeah. with the Charlotte Hornets. And that's all I was trying to get my point across with that weird transition that we had going to the concrete conventions that Wes was bringing up. We can move on. I do want to get to the GM candidates here. I did want to talk about um, some of the names that are on the list. And even when we had Jake Fisher on a few weeks ago, Jake Fisher said, hey, guys, keep an eye out for a Duke connection. And so 
A couple names on the list that apply to that. We can get to that a little bit later on. Two more hours to go on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Coming up, it's the Campus Counter.